What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of VGM Generations. I'm Mike Posbon, and with me, as always, is Aaron Balauchuk. Super Nintendo. <laughs> and Jordan Malinsky. Sega Genesis. There we go. And very special guest for, once again, uh, joining us for the only the second time where we've had all four of us, Norm Garrard. I'll catch you guys in the game. <laughs> catch <Catch-raise. laughs> There you go. Perfect. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be a four-person episode. And uh, this all stems from last week where I had the one-person episode. We had asked Norm to come, and then we canceled Norm. And I said, I'm not going to let all that good that good research and work go to waste. So we brought him in, and we're just going to have a four-person. Extra long to make up for the shorter episode last week. So Buckle up. <laughs> Buckaroo. <laughs> for those that don't know, VGM stands for Video Game Music, and we are taking you through the generation. Basically, once a week, four friends with very gaming backgrounds get together and take you through some of the fa- their favorite music from the games they love. And uh, remember to stick around to the end of the episode for contest details. But we have last month's winner of uh, of our game contest, and that is Sean Steinke. I want to say, <laughs> hopefully, I'm pronouncing that right. I always I get so nervous that I'm screwing up people's names, but uh, Sean Steinke. So uh, he uh, reached out on Twitter, gave us a bunch of tweets and retweets and likes and message us and uh yeah so he is the winner of our contest for last month and i'll be messaging you on twitter and you can let me which know which one of the which one of those games you would like to play um so yeah this month uh yeah so last month was all zelda then we had remix radio yeah and so now we have a new topic of course what's that topic and that new topic is music evolution if you will so we're talking about um basically songs or themes or melodies that have lasted a long time uh, gone through many, many games, many iterations, uh, many generations, and um, we're going to listen to kind of their evolution. So we'll get a little bit of, you know, it's 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 a little more freeform. It's we're not we're not so rigid on our on our um, topic this this month, but uh, we don't play by the rules is what you're trying to say. <laughs> Basically, the only rule is yeah. there's no rules. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's kind of what we're doing this month. So I'll go first. And uh, what I'm going to do is uh, Nate's theme from the Uncharted series of games. Um, I believe we've talked about Uncharted on the podcast before, I'm sure. Uh, I know we talked about it in context to you playing Uncharted 4, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, me and Aaron, I know for sure. Norm, did you play Uncharted? Yeah, I've played the first two. The first two, okay. And then Jordan, I know, yeah, you've no, never I, played them. I've watched somebody play the second one, and it looked pretty cool. All right. So, so that's about it. <laughs> okay. So yeah. I'm personally, and I know Aaron is for sure too, a big fan of the Uncharted series. I have lots of opinions. Yes. <laughs> I also really liked the two that I played. All right, there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so Nate's theme is the the title track, basically, of these games. So um, I'm doing the first three games. So um, uh, developed by Naughty Dog, obviously, published by Sony Interactive Entertainment, and then the three years are 2007, 2009, and 2011. And the composer is a guy by the name of Greg Edmondson. Um, so just a few notes on, you know, stuff I could find online. And uh, so he worked primarily with Amy Hennig, the uh, the kind of mastermind of the Uncharted series, definitely the driving force behind it. Um, also with a guy by the name of Jonathan Mayer, who is Sony's senior music manager. So basically he does... He manages the music for all in-house um, game creators. And um, the, like the coolest fact I found was Nate's theme comes from 
once in a while they would just give Greg said like they would just give him leave to just write anything like it wasn't like okay we need a part for you know this cinematic or we need a part for this action sequence or we need a part for this river sequence sometimes they just said you know just write something write something that you feel would fit with this and Nate's theme was one of those along with a reunion which I think I'm going to play at either the beginning or end of this uh of this podcast because it sounds so good uh which was from the second game um but yeah that's I thought that was really cool that Nate's theme just came out of his like you know his uh mind wandering and it's one of my favorite games so or he, one of favorite songs in the game so he wasn't actually trying to build a theme song he was just building any random song yeah, that he, he was wanted. just like here's some music maybe we can use it somewhere yeah. and they were like let's make it the title track <laughs> and i've heard that ha- happen several times i think i even mentioned that in our one of our things where i talked about hell march from the command and conquer series oh, okay from red alert was same, the same sort of thing was the guy just like he had this idea he's just kind of screwing around he wrote this theme and it essentially became the theme song for the franchise yeah yeah, that's after awesome. that, and it wasn't intended to be. It's just you know, it was a really strong piece. So for sure, yeah. So uh, let's jump into the music. So the first one we're going to listen to is just from the first Uncharted game, Drake's Fortune. Um, the few notes I have is the the driving force behind all of the games, but in this one up being the first was that they wanted him to imbue the music with a, a sense of adventure. Um, and so you very much get that from the theme. Uh, you have all the traditional orchestra, the brass, the percussion, strings, and then. Um, these are his words. Uh, he added ethnic woodwinds to make it sound jungle, jungly. <laughs> so there you go. So let's listen to uh, Nate's theme from Uncharted Drake's Fortune. this theme yeah i think it's fantastic like it was it was actually one of the things that drew me to the game originally like i remember so i didn't get my ps3 for quite some time um i i didn't i absolutely didn't get it right away and i actually bought a used one um off kijiji when i first got it and uh i knew like there already was a pretty big library so i was really excited for games like uh resistance was one of the games I was really excited for um, just because I had been uh, such a big fan of like Ratchet and Clank in that studio. And then um, I remember like Uncharted was the next one and I was like, I got to play this. And I remember just popping the disc in and this is the first thing you hear when the, you know, the the little like menu top screen comes up. And I was like, 
oh my god, this game is <laughs> gonna be amazing. <laughs> like if that's the, if that's the op- the first piece of music, this is gonna be awesome. So um, it's funny because I remember my reaction being very similar. But the first game I actually played in the series was um, number two. Oh, you started with two. I started. I think we've with talked two, about this, yeah. but that was because I played it at a friend's house. It's basically at a friend's oh, okay. house at a party, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was like. Aaron, you got to try this Aaron's game. Sitting in the corner this is playing right up games. your alley. And he's like, I just throw it in. I'll like, give it a try. I'll play it for a little while. Like, I just want to give it a try and see what it's like. And if you remember the intro to that game where you like, you mm-hmm. start like on the hanging off the train yep. over the cliff <laughs> and you're shot and I'm playing it and I'm just blown away. And like, people are watching this game and everything. Everyone's like sitting around just the party just grinds to a halt and everyone's just watching you like play the game. Movie. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing, right? It is, it is super cinematic. But I played it for longer than I probably should have at the party. And <laughs> yeah. then immediately that was like, now I need a PS3 need it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think I was there that night. I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were there. <laughs> we had a, we had a small TV and we were doing street fighter, I think on yeah. the other TV somewhere. But. That was a good night. So you didn't care what you didn't <laughs> care what Aaron big, was doing. Big living room TV for Uncharted, and yeah. and then the little tube was like, <laughs> yeah. "Go play Street Fighter." Well, I think I, I was interested in the game by name, and I hadn't tried it at that point too. But then I kind of in my periphery was experiencing that. I was like, "Okay, I don't. I want to see as little as possible, but I think I want to play this game." <laughs> and then uh, I think Aaron eventually uh, recommended it, and uh, yeah, then I got a PS3 and, and Uncharted. Yeah. Very highly recommended because Uncharted as a franchise is actually like top tier for me. This is one of my favorite yep. of all games. Uncharted Two is one of my favorite of all time games. So that's yeah, no, that's, totally, it's a big deal for me. It is, yeah, it's a it's a great series. So that's perfect to go into Uncharted Two. So Uncharted Two Among Thieves. So we're gonna listen to Nate's theme from Uncharted Two now. So Uncharted Two, um, we didn't mention, but you're hanging off a train in Tibet. Uh, so the whole the a, a lion's share of the game is set in Tibet. And so if you listen this time to Nate's theme, listen for the like Tibetan temple horns and the Chinese instruments. Um, the other uh, instrument is called the Eru. And it's like, it's that very classic, like Chinese, it, it's a string instrument, but it's like, when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, that's that sound. And it's just like every single piece of like stereotypical Chinese music has this instrument in it. I can't picture the instrument in my head, but... And just based on your description alone, I can hear it. Yeah, exactly. I know what you're talking about. So, and then uh, the other very pronounced instrument is one called the uh, dolak drum, which is that uh, African drum that you lay horizontally across your lap. And it's in the first one as well, but you hear it even more um, in uh, Uncharted 2's Nate's theme. And the horns, too, are a little more pronounced. So let's listen to that one. Is there more ethnicity in this one, too? (laughs) It's even more ethnic. They keep injecting more (laughs) ethnicity every single time. Exactly. (laughs) Actually, I really like the tempo of Uncharted 2 theme. Like, they actually, it was less, like, slow and drawn out. A little more driving. And and it's more driving. And actually, it's my favorite of the Uncharted themes by far. Just, I think they had had the tempo and the energy just right in that one. All right, so let's give it a listen.
So is this essentially the same song as the first one? Because I'm not familiar with any of the songs. Are they the same song, just redone, reorchestrated in different ways? Yeah, basically, it's it, they're pretty much the same song with just um, differences between them in in instrumentation. Um, a little bit like the the pitch and the tempo and stuff stay pretty consistent, um, but it, they do. It is slightly modified between so the, the three. The so. instruments might change depending on where Drake may go. On yeah, his and, adventures. and that's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, like and and that and that carries throughout the games. Um, you know, the instruments and the the music of the games is very regionalized, which is super cool. It it makes you feel more immersed in the region you're in. Like yeah. you know, it did. It does start. The first game is pretty much a jungle game. Like yeah. you're in the jungle the whole time. Um, the second one, yeah, you are in these like Tibetan mountains. There's like mountain goats running around. You go to this like ancient village. There's the classic like flags along the side of the mountains and stuff like that. You come across Sherpas and stuff like that. It's very cool. And that's why I'm always by default drawn to games with snow and mountains and things. Yeah, like I know. Things yeah. that I'm familiar Actually, with. Yeah, I love yeah that makes things. sense. Yeah, Because right, you always mention that about Tomb Raider too. Yeah. All the snowy parts yeah. were your favorite. You put a snow level in a game and I'm there. <laughs> you get... Aaron's stamp of approval <laughs> right away. But yeah, so that was uh, the Uncharted 2 uh, Nate's theme. And then, of course, finally, we need to move on to the Uncharted 3 Nate's theme. Um, so uh, Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception, and this one is Desert. So now Ooh. we've moved again. Um, so uh, <laughs> instead of ethnic, we now have indigenous instruments <laughs> from that part of the world, which was uh, Syria and Yemen is where he pulled like the instrumentation from for this one. A little more bass heavy, uh, a little stronger on the timpani, the timpani and the violins, and uh, a little more staccato on the horns. So let's give that one a listen. Actually, I think it was the staccato-ness of the horns in this one that didn't do it for me. You didn't like you didn't like the changeup? You know, it's it's totally related to the game and how I felt yeah, feel about I was gonna the say. game. <laughs> but it just it didn't feel right to me. I actually like the sharpness of the brass in this one. It's like it feels like almost like more aggressive, kind of like 
like almost like they're pushing it to the edge of it where you get like that. I don't know. It's cool. So instead of a more round and full, it's kind of sharper, harsher. So did you like the third one? I did like the third game. Yeah, I, I, um, me and, uh, when Uncharted four came out, me and Aaron had long discussions about the whole series. Um, and, uh, I do agree for the most part with most of your, the issues you had with it, it like IE controls, um, what what others like there well, were some the mechanics. Main, the main and thing stuff. was like they they it's it kind of suffered from that whole feature creep thing that a lot of games yeah, like usually yeah, yeah, the yeah. first game in a series is where they're like just figuring yes, it out. Yes, yes, yes. Second game is where they perfect it. Third game is feature creep. Yeah. And I think like the whole brawling mechanic. Drake wandered around like a drunken sailor, reaching <laughs> out to kind of almost touch everything he passed. You know the aiming mechanics. Everything felt off in it to me. It didn't feel as intuitive as two did. But of course you know, and we'll get to that. Is that four? I think solved a lot of those issues. Yeah, um, I actually, the, that's the one thing I disagree with you on was the brawling thing, because I just thought it was, it just looked so cool, the way the camera panned around and stuff, that it, like, any, any like, annoyance I could have had with it was, <laughs> was uh, subdued by how awesome it looked. Yeah, but look cool <laughs> for me doesn't forgive bad game mechanics. Yeah, and fair the enough. fact is, like, the context-sensitive brawling in there yeah. was so poorly implemented that in 2 it was awesome. Like, the way you ran from run and gun to just the simple fighting moves. Yeah, it was worked, basically one button. But yeah. you couldn't do it in three. Like it was, it was badly implemented. You no, you had to, had you had to, to be, trigger the, yeah, you trigger the event. You couldn't go back and forth seamlessly between them. And a lot of times you'd be trying to do one action, and it would do a different one, and it would lead to your death. And yeah, it just became a, a frustrating game because it's of that, that classic Assassin's Creed trying to jump across something and then you jump off the building and die. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which they simplified in later Assassin's Creed games, which to make it better. I, yeah, which but I actually don't think it does make it better. I actually liked it better when... When uh, you were constantly killing well, yourself. <laughs> no, because once you got good at like the ru- the running and action in Assassin's Creed 2, I thought it worked great. Once you got used to how the system worked. Yeah. But then in the later games, they simplified it to like hold down button to do everything. Yeah. So you hold down one button and just push in a direction and you go. So it kind of, di- yeah, it kind of did it yeah. for you. But yeah. I kind of liked the, you know, I've got to think about how I'm performing my actions. More more like the old Prince of Persia games, which of course it was based off of. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, first 3D Prince of Persia games where, you know, you actually felt you had to execute every move yourself. Yeah, fair enough. But anyway, so uh, back to Uncharted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Tangent. Uh, Tangent uh, City. Yeah, but um, I guess in agreeance with... Uh, Aaron's opinions. Um, Uncharted 2 actually won two BAFTA awards. Uh, best use of audio and best original score. Um, and then, so the, the kind of the last note is a bit of a weird one, which is uh, Greg Edmondson did not compose for Uncharted 4. They brought in a new composer and he was kind of more of a, a Hollywood composer, but they brought him in for this one. And I'm not sure, but anyone who kind of followed Uncharted 4 closely uh, knows that the development of that game was a little weird some you know some people change and most importantly amy hennig left and um the guys who had done the last of us series were brought in um to to run the game so i think maybe when amy left um greg left just because he had mentioned in that interview that he worked so closely with her so maybe it was that or maybe they were just like uh we've got lots of money and we want to get a bigger name Unfortunately, but um, so and which is a really risk, pretty risky move considering the fans of that series. Yeah, um, and I, you know, it's disappointing to me to hear that 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 happened. Um, but um, and I actually was when Uncharted Four came out. One of the first things I did was go look for Nate's theme 
from Uncharted 4, like Nate's theme. They always call them 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. And I was like, oh, I got to hear Nate's theme 4.0. And it's like totally different. It's not, it has just hints of that classic motif in there, but it's really not part of it at all. So I was actually kind of disappointed. Well, thinking to the game itself is that it doesn't open like the other ones. The other ones sort of open on a title screen with Nate's theme. And yeah. this one doesn't. It, like, yeah. It opens basically like The Last of Us on like sort of a still from the game with atmospheric kind of sounds. Yeah. So it's, you know, a, pretty much a departure right from the get-go. Yeah. So, so kind of a disappointing last thing, but I still think that these three soundtracks and these three games will stand forever as, you know, great achievements in gaming. And if you ask uh, Aaron, especially number two. <laughs> but yeah, that's all for me. So uh, Jordan, what do you got for this, for us this week? I got a treat for us okay. because Easter is coming up. It is. So I thought I would uh, be a little topical and talk about my favorite Easter egg in video game history. And it's a musical Easter egg. So uh, are you guys familiar with Totaka's song? Yeah. Norm is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. A little uh, bit. <laughs> so let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's talk about it. Um, so famous composer, Kazumi Totaka, who's been with Nintendo um, since the early 90s. He incorporates a 19-note uh, melody, or I would more likely call it a musical signature, into every game he's composed for, with the exception of like four games and he has a library of almost 20 games by this point. So nearly every single game he's composed for, he hides like an Easter egg, a little musical signature that is the same in every single game. And to this, to this day, fans are going back through the games that apparently <laughs> don't have and trying to make sure, trying to find, trying to dig through the audio waveform see if there's a Totaka song in those games as well. Like you got to pitch shift it and play it backwards and you can kind of hear it. It's well, in there somewhere. It syncs up with Dark Side yeah. of the Moon. <laughs> there actually is a game that I wasn't planning on talking about unless we steered that way. Maybe at the end I'll bring it up, but uh, remind me if, we, uh, if I get off track. So the very first game that it was discovered in was one of the most uh, special games to me, uh, 1992's Mario Paint. And I'll admit I found it. It was very easy to find. But at the time, people didn't really know that it was a thing because it was the first time you had heard it. It wasn't the first game to have it, though. It was just the first game to discover it because the first game he composed six months earlier, which was a Japanese exclusive called X, featured the song. But it wasn't until people started to pick it up in other future titles that they were noticing this theme that there was this weird quirky song that was really short and popping up in weird places only in the games he was making. There's was a it, pattern was it, here. <laughs> was it prominent in Mario Paint? Yes. So in Mario Paint, it's actually on the title screen. So very easy to find. If you don't know, Mario Paint uses a mouse. It's uh, peripheral for the Super Nintendo and Famicom. Um, if you click on the different letters in the title of Mario Paint, each letter does something. And it's kind of a way to teach you how to start the game, click the mouse, hit a few buttons. The, each letter does something different, like I said. Um, if you click on like the A or the, the M or something, like it falls down. Some of them like make sound effects. But if you click on the O in Mario, it turns into a bomb. And then when it blows up, it plays Totaka's song right after. So actually, that's my first clip. So let's listen to Totaka's song from Mario Paint.
So the way, even the way it ends, it's just, it has, you recognize it right away because it has that really like weird timed ending. It's pr- practically not even a song. It's almost like Morse code for something. Yeah. You know, there's gotta be a deeper. Yeah. Like maybe the, le- maybe the notes translate to his name, Kazumi Totaka. I don't know, but it's, it's quirky. It's weird. And he has put it in every single game. So I figure let's talk about the evolution of Totaka's song. So he's planted it in numerous games. I'm sure tons that everybody's played. It's in Super Mario Land 2 on Game Boy, Link's Awakening on Game Boy, uh, even the DX uh, remakes, it's in there. It's on Wario Land on Virtual Boy. It's in Yoshi's Story, Pikmin 2. Um, Most of the Animal Crossing games, um, because if you don't know, Chotaka is the, uh, he's actually the dog character, not like he's, he's sort of based off of it. When Nintendo was creating KK Slider or Toto KK in Japan, um, he was sort of loosely based off of uh, Kazumi Totaka. And um, if, if you take Toto KK and you sort of look at how Totaka's spelt, like Totaka, and then you put a K at the end for Kazumi, then you get Totaka K, which is almost like Toto KK. Um, so it's kind of neat. He's, he's in there. And if you interact with Toto KK a certain way, he will play Totaka song. You can, in one of the games you can actually, he asks you what you want to hear. And if you type in KK song, he'll play Totaka song. So, That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise he just plays you other stuff. It's, it's again, it's an Easter egg. I love that. He just hides his like personal signature and all this stuff. That's super cool. And it, it, you know, it wasn't discovered right away. It was kind of neat that he had it like back to like the early 1992. And then it was just like a few years later when the theme started to, it's like he had this vision from the very first game. Like when, when Easter eggs weren't that big of a thing, he found a way to implement his own signature as, as a sound director, as a music composer into all of his games. So going through the list. Yeah. So you got the animal crossing series. Um, then he did Luigi's Mansion, and I wanted to talk about this one only because out of all the Tutaka themes, this one's my favorite because it's actually very funky and upbeat. Uh, if you, so I should, I should briefly mention all the games I've listed because they're Easter eggs. It's like how to find them can usually be difficult. Usually it's like a certain person or a certain place or a very specific time. It's never really code related. Like you don't input certain buttons. It's more like you have to be in a certain place at a certain time or for a certain amount of time and it'll trigger the event. So like in Link's Awakening, you have to be in, uh, I think it's Richard's house, the guy that has all the frogs. And if you're in there for like two and a half minutes, it'll just start playing. <laughs> um, in Luigi's Mansion, the one I want to get to next, you have to be on the controller configuration screen at the training room and you have to wait for three and a half minutes. So it's almost like if you were setting up your controller and you put it down to go to the kitchen and get a drink, yeah. you might hear it play. So let's go to 2001's Luigi, Luigi's Mansion and let's listen to Totaka's song.
Yeah, I have to wonder if I've ever actually heard it in uh, Richard's Villa in Link's Awakening. And now I'm going to go home and I'm going to yeah. check. So yeah. Remember, it's uh, maybe wait four minutes just to be safe, yeah. but I'm sure you'll hear it before then. And it was, I assume it's in both uh, the DX it's version. It's in both, yeah. 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 Absolutely. And in most versions of Totaka's song, usually the music cuts out and then it's a very retro sounding chiptune-ish uh, version of Totaka's song. But I like the Luigi's Mansion one because it's got a funky little jazzy, jazzy flow to it. Well, it kind of sticks with the whole Luigi's Mansion like music. Yeah. It fits in. And it's funny because I find there, there's something creepy about Totaka's song too. It's just a very eerie melody, but for some reason in a game like Luigi's Mansion, it's like the most upbeat, happy version too. <laughs> yeah, it's funny about the prog- the progression on it is not like, a, like, not like a hummable melody. It's not going to get stuck in your head and you're going to walk around like singing Totaka's thong. And just with the pauses in it as oh, well, yeah. it comes across as almost creepy. Yeah, by creepy, awkward. And it's funny you say that you wouldn't hum it because doing my research for this episode, it's been stuck in my head all <laughs> week and I've been humming it everywhere I've gone. That's awesome. But I know what you're saying. Um, so I'm going to jump right into the most modern version of Totaka's song that there is. Um, as of now, uh, as of the recording of this episode, the latest that I can find was in 2014 and that was in Mario Kart 8. Haha, <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Someone besides Mike is talking about Mario Kart 8. It still made its way in though. <laughs> <laughs> so how is to talk a song in here? Well, actually it's related to Yoshi. So uh, in very specific levels in uh, Mario Kart 8, some of the tracks like Yoshi Valley, Yoshi Circuit, uh, Sweet Sweet Canyon, if you've ever raced those levels and you've seen the Yoshis that are off in the field kind of gathered around the racetrack that are kind of watching you race and maybe cheering you on, if you drive past them and you kind of like pull up next to them, you'll hear them like talking and cheering and, and all of that. But there's the odd Yoshi that will actually be singing Totaka song. But the, here's the thing. You can't really hear it because they've really cranked up the music in this game. If you're racing, like the music's full blast and Yoshi's super drowned out. Um, oh, well, I'll go a little deeper on that, but I want you to hear what it sounds like in its original form. So we're going to listen to Yoshi's Circuit. And this music is recorded from somebody who's actually sitting in front of the Yoshi who is singing Totaka's song. So listen to this first and then I'll, I'll explain a little more. You almost can't hear it at all. A very faint humming sound. Yeah. And you would never know that it's Tataka's song. It just sounds like there's a Yoshi humming. But somebody's actually, and I, and I wish I, I had checked this, if you can actually turn off the music in the game. But I know somebody has posted a, a version of it online where they've isolated it so you can actually hear it. So let's listen to Yoshi humming Totaka song in Mario Kart 8. <laughs> Terrible Yoshi, terrible. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
Someone taught their infant to do this. <laughs> that's actually, yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. It well, sounds like a little baby. Here, and here's the funny thing. I thought the same thing. I thought like, man, like I've heard Yoshi a hundred times, but listening to him sing Totaka song got me thinking like what a ridiculous voice, voice Yoshi has. Yeah. And so I, I had um, this audio track on my timeline and I decided, okay, well, he's got a very high pitched sped up voice. I'm going to slow his voice down to 50% and let's see, let's see if we can hear what Yoshi's voice really sounds like, like the voice actor who recorded him. So I did that and I listened through it on the timeline. So Mike, if you want to play the next clip. God, it sounds like somebody murdering a trombone. <laughs> I've, uh, so oh, I, I, I slowed it down 50%. It probably isn't exactly 50% uh, sped up to be Yoshi, but I swear if you listen to it carefully, it does sound like it could be a normal person's voice. Uh, maybe even a Japanese man, voice actor doing the voice. So I decided, okay, now I'm curious. I'm going to look up the voice actor. Maybe it's like Charles Martinet or something. And I looked up the voice of Yoshi. Do you want to take a guess who does the voice of Yoshi? <gasps> it's Totaka. It's Totaka. Oh, he is does, it really? He does the voice of Yoshi. And I didn't realize this, but he actually does the voice of Shy Guy, Professor Egad, yeah. Captain Olimar, Erdo, and KK Slider. Oh, I was just going to ask. Makes all, because those all make sense. Especially yeah. hearing that, as I was going to ask if he did like the little like grunts and howling that KK Slider does, because that's the best part of Animal Crossing is, he, is his he, songs where he sings. He does. He does all the voices for, for all those characters. And yeah, I could, for me, like it blew my mind. I'm like, I'm researching all this stuff on Tataka and then I find this <laughs> Easter egg within the, my Easter egg research on him. So that's awesome. And I could have just Googled the inception the, Easter egg. <laughs> I, I could have just Googled it from the beginning, but yeah. I had to take this weird path. Serpentine route to, to get, get there. there yeah. yeah. So is he all, Always the official voice of he Yoshi? Always? has been since Yoshi had a voice in Yoshi's story. So I don't think he had a voice in Super Mario World. It was just the sound effect of his tongue. So since he had a voice, I think, like, uh, I'm trying to remember, Yoshi's story, that was the Super Nintendo one? Or was that the N64 one? That was the N64 one. So yeah. Yoshi's um, Super Mario World 2, I don't remember if Yoshi had a voice. No, I think he, he just still did the... He makes some noises yeah. and there's like, yeah. The Super Mario World okay. sound, yeah. I think he does the... Does he do the like... When he like... When he runs? Uh, like when he floats? The flutter jump. Yeah, I think yeah. he does. Yeah. Okay. So I think so, that's probably... And that's just the sound effect. Yeah. So he um, he's done the voice as far as I know since the very beginning. So... I just had an extra clip I thought I would throw on for fun, and it's a couple of Yoshi's uh, sound effects from Smash Bros. So let's <laughs> okay, take a listen. Let's listen. <laughs> Whoa! Yoshi! Whoa! Yoshi! 
That's great. I want that as my ringtone. I think you're yeah. totally right. Well, you I know think what? he's doing them at half speed. Yep. Well, you oh know, my God. I, I wanted to confirm that at least a little bit more clearly. And I looked up some interviews with him. And of yeah. course, most of them are in Japanese with no subtitles. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. I just need to hear the sound of his voice. And I'm fairly certain that his actual voice is close to that pitch range. Could be off by a few percentages, but... I think it's pretty accurate. So that's hilarious. That is one of the funniest <laughs> Easter eggs we've ever had on this show. Yeah. Good research, Jordan. That's, yeah. that's well done. That's, that's great A research. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. That's all I got. So, oh, fantastic. Well, that on. was a great one. Uh, Aaron, what do you got for us? I don't want to follow that because <laughs> mine, mine is pretty light <laughs> in comparison, but I'm uh, already, I'm taking us back, back to last week <laughs> 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 where it's Zelda month forever in my heart. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> we're, all, we're still all playing Zelda, so it makes sense. Yeah. So I am doing the legend of Zelda and something specific because of course I'm still playing breath of the wild and something they've, they've done a really good job to me, even though breath of the wild um, is mostly ambience. It doesn't do a lot in the way of music. It's about the atmosphere of the game. But it does pull out tunes, memorable tunes, here and there, to represent certain things. And you'll recognize, like, melodies and tunes from across the Zelda series. And there's one in particular that really, really stood out to me because it's a theme that I love from the original Legend of Zelda, but they haven't really... They don't bust this one out. This one doesn't come out a lot for games. In fact, I couldn't really find another Zelda game where they used this one specifically. Yeah, I know the song, and I can't think of yeah. one either. So the song I'm talking about, so first of all, let us let me just lay down the ground rules here. Um, Legend of Zelda came out in 1986. We've probably said that before in the podcast, <laughs> because yes. it's the Legend of Zelda. Yeah. And the song, the track, is the Death Mountain theme. Or Spectacle Rock, if you want to call it that, because uh, Spectacle Rock is an entrance to death, <laughs> as we know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're, you're shrugging your shoulders. What kind of Zelda fan are you? I, I told you guys <laughs> last month that I don't, <laughs> that I'm more, that Ocarina of Time is the first Zelda game for me. Is that the left spectacle or the right spectacle? I, I believe it's the left spectacle. <laughs> For the uh, where or the? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me think. Uh, for the uh, for the observer, I believe. Yeah, I can't remember. I think <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to give some spoilers what, for what Legend does that of mean? Zelda. Yeah, okay. Here's a spoiler for the original Legend of Zelda: is Spectacle Rock is an entrance to death. What that means is, I believe, death in this case may be actually referring to Death Mountain. And in that case, Death Mountain is the final level where you fight Ganon. So the final dungeon, level nine of Legend of Zelda, is Death Mountain. And what you do is you actually, like all the, all the dungeons there, most of the dungeons there, you can almost access them at any time in the game. So you could go there first. You wouldn't make it very far because there are barriers to entry. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can find Dungeon 9 pretty quickly. And it's this huge... It's, one, it's the biggest dungeon in the game, and it's skull-shaped on the inside. Now, what Spectacle Rock means is it's just, it was just a hint for finding it, because when you're in the Death Mountain region, there's two rocks right next to each other, just like a pair of spectacles. It's not really, you know, there's no connector between them in the original Legend of Zelda to indicate that they're spectacles in any way. Well, and even that rock formation makes appearances in other Zelda games, too. They're, it's, it's pretty prominent in Link to the Past as well. Very much so. And in yeah. Link to the Past was actually a game where they had spectacle rock, and it was even connected by a little land bridge to be more like spectacles. Yeah, yeah so. it was sort of the gateway from the light world to the dark world, because that's where you encounter the moon pearl and the whole change in the game. It's actually a really big moment in Link to the Past. Yeah, yeah. So it's a prominent Zelda landmark. Okay. 
So, and then, of course, Death Mountain, which has appeared in many, many Zelda games. Yeah. So, and this was the theme that played when you went to, when you went to, did the final dungeon. Every game, every theme, dungeon theme in the original Legend of Zelda was the same, except Death Mountain had its own theme that only appeared there. So let's play that one first. Sort of related side note, when I first time I ever saw uh, Spectacle Rock and Link to the Past, that's when I realized the game was twice as long because I didn't know about the light world, dark world mechanic. Which is a great moment. That's like yeah. one of those remember forever yeah, in video it's game like, moments. Yeah, like, wow, the game is going to be twice as long. <laughs> it was fantastic. But this also has a tradition like this song, it's intense, it's driving, it's got that constant like doot, 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 doot beat. And so it gives you that sort of like heartbeat tension totally while does. you're playing that. And I, I, I like that because they only use it in this dungeon. And it's almost to me like in Zelda 2, which is one of my favorite Zelda games, where the final palace level has its own unique theme as well, which is another one of my favorite Zelda themes in the entire series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that one's great too. And like you said, it's uh, unforgettable kind of. If you went through the harrowing business of that final castle back in the day when there was no, no help. Yeah. No. <laughs> And no, also, no, no internet. And it was yeah. really great because they actually had uh, remixes of that version. I think in Smash Brothers Melee, they had a remix of that theme. So uh -huh. that theme makes an appearance, but not this theme. And what I like about uh, you mentioned the the heart beating like uh, pulse of the of the sound, and you wouldn't really get that outside of the Nintendo, would you? Because like to me, it's that chip tuney like heartbeat sound that you're getting that makes it so great. And then if it was sort of modernized, I feel like it would sort of lose that like that um, that heartbeat kind of feel to it. Mm -hmm. But it's still really good. Well, that said, maybe the heartbeat only worked in the original Legend of Zelda, but. We're talking about the evolution of songs. So the next game where that makes an appearance is 2017's Breath of the Wild. Wow. From first to last. <laughs> From first to last. And it was a pleasant surprise because, like I said, in Breath of the Wild, they actually bust out themes from across the Zelda franchise. And it's always, it's, it's welcoming to, to hear them. Oh, yeah. Every and, time you hear it, you get a yeah. little excited. And when I actually heard this for the first time playing in the background, I think Norm actually heard it before me, and he was trying to kind of subtly hint at it without giving it away. He was trying to like, he wanted to talk about it, but couldn't say anything about it. Yeah. And I hadn't yet experienced it. So, but it was almost like the next day that I saw it. 
Yeah, I think I, I might have I might have lied because I was like, "Hey, uh, have you been uh, to Death Mountain?" And you're like, "No." I was like, "Oh no, me neither." And then, <laughs> <laughs> you must you must you must have found me out because the next day, yeah, you're like, "Hey, I went to Death Mountain." Yeah. <laughs> and that's like every Zelda conversation that we have is like, you yeah. Know, Non-conversations yeah. <laughs> as, I've, as I've taken to calling them. But the way it's done in uh, Breath of the Wild is really great because it's because it's not associated with a village or anything in there. It's more just part of the atmospheric music of the region, and they do it in a very, very subdued fashion, which you'll hear, which is... And in Breath of the Wild, it, a lot of the music is just done simply with, like, just little piano tunes, generally, just sort of background. You get the sort of, like classic theme when you're riding the horse, which is just done very, very lightly and simply. And then yep. this one, they just kind of take the main motif, the main tune of the Death Mountain theme from Reg Legend of Zelda, and they play little strains of it um, in the background. But when you actually hear those, it's like, wow, I, I love the fact that they made that reference. So let's listen to the uh, Death Mountain theme from Breath of the Wild.
And it, it's it's not much of a song, like I said. I mean, there's yeah. other parts to it, but it's very slow and it's drawn out. And there's the chanting in there, which is really great because they do, do that, I think, in other Legend of Zelda Death Mountain themes mm-hmm. as well. So it's got chanting and it's got just the strains of that original melody. Is it getting hot in here? Or just <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned the chanting, but uh, in Ocarina of Time, the original release of it, do you remember the fire temple that was in Death Mountain? I and do. the chanting involved there? Yeah, because I have, there's the controversy, of course, involving that, and I have the original Ocarina of Time cartridge which with the original count chanting track before they had to change it. Yeah, so for religious purposes, they removed it because it had, um, it was, I forget what which um, culture it was, but it was... Um, sort of a prayer like and an Islamic prayer or yeah, something. yeah it yeah. wasn't yeah. it a, like a line from the Quran I believe yeah, it was uh, yeah it was it was some sort of a prayer it could be from the Quran and in the context of the prayer it's um a bit offensive to include it in the game and it's apparent apparently from what I've seen online like the prayer is supposed to be said like without music and granted there wasn't a lot of music in the game either like it was almost uh, you just shouldn't have done it because yes. still even with the music you're putting it in a game and sort of co-opting it so it's not uh you know, generally was not a good idea all around. And the way they used it, though, was was really well done, though. Like, I was a fan of that that song, but uh, I can understand why they removed it. Oh, agreed. I actually really liked, like, that's one thing I, it's, you've got to pride yourself when you've got that original cartridge, because you've got, like, the original yeah. chant from that temple, from the fire temple. You've got the uh, the actual, like, red blood. Versus the green blood that everyone else has. Green yeah. Blood. yeah so. I, I was actually selling a, a copy on Kijiji once, and uh, a guy contacted me and asked me to read the serial number off the back of the game. And as soon as he said that, I thought, that's an odd thing to ask. But I kind of knew right away what he was asking for, and I checked. It wasn't the one he wanted. I'm like, does this have anything to do with, like, early versions and bugs and everything? And he said, yeah. Mm-hmm. He wanted the, the red blood. Yeah. <laughs> so We all want the red blood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I guess, this slight spoiler warning in case, n- not for anyone in this room, but um, in case you haven't played Breath of the Wild yet at all or, or, or very little, um, my other favorite example of this is the Zora, uh, Zora's domain, Zora's domain yeah. music that it's got that classic theme in there. <laughs> and I remember I just stood there and I was like, wait, I, I definitely know this song. And I listened and I was like, oh, of course it's like the original music yeah. and it's just slowed down a bit, lightened up and yeah, more piano heavy, all, all the things you said in relation to this one. Um, but oh my God, I love yeah. it. I, it made me so happy when I was there. <laughs> and for me, the, there's a bunch of Breath of the Wild moments like that where I want Tons, to talk yeah. about it. But again, yeah. I, I'm avoiding doing it because, you know, maybe spoilers aren't as big a thing right now for other people out there. Yeah, still a big it, thing generally for us. Yeah. And so, I mean, even though I could bring up other points along those lines, I really want to, you know, <laughs> not, <laughs> for not our, spoil anything. For yeah. our benefit. <laughs> for our benefit. Yeah, more for our benefit than anything else. Yeah. I was uh, I was a little bit surprised because one of the things I look forward to with new Zelda games is the soundtrack. And this soundtrack is amazing, but it's not, like you said, it's more ambient. It's more atmospheric, which I like a lot, but 
at the same time, I'm not getting all my classic Zelda themes. I'm not getting like my. It's totally not traditional for yeah, Zelda, right? Yeah, yeah. agreed. It fits the tone of the game, but yeah. you're, you're lacking those like tunes that are going to stick with you. For yeah, like the songs I'd put on a playlist and listen to, right? Like I would not ask for a different soundtrack. It's just it's unfortunate I don't have something I can rock out to in my yeah. car the same way that I I do with other Zeldas. But mostly, like it, it turns out, this one just becomes like Easter egg. The soundtrack. It's even like when the loading screen comes up. At least on the Wii U, the loading screen. Comes comes up and it plays a few notes from uh, Link's Awakening. Yeah. And like another song, which is a little bit obscure that you wouldn't really recognize unless you're very familiar with it. And it's, yeah. But uh, yeah, just the, just, and here's one thing I should actually bring out some, some real facts for this game. Cause of course, while Koji Kondo, as we know, um, composed the original Legend of Zelda, he was not involved in Breath yeah, of the Wild. Yeah, we asked that last month. Yeah. So um, it, the music was actually composed by uh, Manaka Karako, um, Karaoka and, ye- <laughs> sorry, I'm going to take a moment just to figure this out, Yasuaki Iwata. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Two composers. New composers. New composers yep. And who have clearly, like, they've taken, uh, like, samples of the themes from Kondo, but... Um, no Koji Kondo in this game. And I can say that uh, Manaka Karoka, he previously worked on Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. Oh. So, you know, the one thing I liked about Spirit Tracks was the music. Was the music. So <laughs> it, I love how we fought, maybe, managed to find a way to get Spirit <laughs> Tracks in every game. Because we know month. they've taken something from every Zelda game, maybe that's the only thing they took from Spirit <laughs> Tracks was the composer. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Though I wouldn't have actually minded if they like managed to sneak in in a very subtle way the Spirit Tracks yeah. you know, theme song in there as well. Yeah, I'd be and, surprised. And I think uh, Yasuaki Iwata, this was her first game. Oh, okay. Um, one thing I want to insert here, uh, I think I mentioned this on the um, podcast before, but I know I've definitely tweeted about it, but um, 8-Bit Music Theory is a YouTube channel, and they are currently, uh, they've finished part two of four parts of a Breath of the Wild soundtrack analysis. So he goes very, very in-deep. If, if you're a very musical person, you understand music theory at a high level because I enjoy the videos, but I, I will admit readily that I do not understand everything he's talking about. I get some of it from some of my days of musical training, but not all of it. I would love to listen to that in several years when I'm finished Breath of the Wild. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess it could wreck some of the music for you for sure. He doesn't, he doesn't, he actually says at the top, like, I will not show any footage in this that wasn't in the trailers. So right off the top, he like he frees you of that like <laughs> with a warning. So and for me, like even the sense of discovery in the game is the big thing for me, and even that even holds true for the music. Is like, yeah, like hearing this stuff myself for the first time and figuring it out is is part of the magic of yeah. Breath of the Wild. Uh, the first part uh, you'd be safe with because he just basically talks of the main theme, which you is like basically the first music you hear in the game. Um, but uh, it's really interesting because he breaks it down like because like as we were saying, it's very simple. It's very ambient. It's kind of in the background. It does not, you know, it never really comes to or very rarely comes to like a, a, a big moment in the game. But he breaks down like how it's like actually a really masterful composition. It's not, you know, people have criticized it as sounding like somebody just like throwing, you know, bouncy balls at a keyboard or something like that. <laughs> but um, it's not it, it, it. There was a lot of thought and care put into it. So um Check that out if you want a very nerdy, in-depth music uh, analysis of Breath of the Wild. And he's got a bunch of other great videos, too. Stuff on um, Chrono Trigger, Dark Souls, uh, Transistor, all sorts of different stuff. So pretty cool. So I just wanted to say one more point about the music from Breath of the Wild is that 
even though I'm not even sure it appears specifically in the game, but I only recently watched the trailer that came out earlier this year. Yep. The, uh, I can't remember exactly where they premiered that trailer. Some Maybe Nintendo the Direct. Nintendo Direct that Nintendo was Direct in the beginning of January. Yeah, yeah that's so that's where they actually showed that. And I, I finally watched it for the first time because I was trying to avoid spoilers. And the music in that trailer is phenomenal. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, it's very I, exciting. I hit some of the moments, the big moments that happen in the trailer in the game. And it didn't hit me the same way. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, because of that damn song yeah. that was so good in the trailer. <laughs> and it's so big in the uh, in the trailer, too. Because the thing is, is like I find the voice acting in Breath of the Wild to be a little lacking overall. <laughs> but yeah, it leaves something to be desired. For when sure. it's in the trailer, it works. It's under the music and they yeah. select parts of it. Yep. And it, it sort of works there except in that for, context. Except for Zelda's crying. Yeah, except for Because <laughs> in English... And Japanese, it's horrific. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's one other thing I want to point out, and I think actually Norm may have uh, brought this to my attention, is that, uh, or just made me think about it, was in the game they refer to Ganon as Calamity, Calamity Ganon. Ganon. Yeah. Everything's always Calamity Ganon, yeah. this and Calamity Ganon, that. But I think in the trailer they actually changed a line that is spoken by Impa where they added the word the. So she talks about the Calamity Ganon. But in the game, they never say the. It's always, it's Calamity Ganon. Huh. Why, why do you think they would have done that? Because it sounds odd to an English speaker. It's just a weird phrasing to okay. call it Calamity Ganon. When, you so know, they just calamity fixed it for the trailer? Is, yeah, like when you'd actually say, like, you're, you're treating Ganon as the name, and then the yeah. Calamity Ganon. It's like he's the Calamity, and yeah. his name is Ganon, yeah. versus he, his name is... <laughs> Calamity Ganon. Which sounds First like, name Calamity, last name Ganon. Yeah, yeah which yeah. sounds like a Western outlaw or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they're staging it as more of an event than, you know, in, in the past, Ganon's always an individual. I don't know enough about Breath of the Wild to say whether it is, but I think the way they're they're staging it, you know, in the trailer and stuff is it's it's like the disaster called yeah. Ganon, like Hurricane. Hurricane Ganon. Yeah. 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 yeah, like yeah, yeah. When we refer That's to That's a really like, good point of put it. Really good way to put it. Yeah. It was a major event. And if you've played the last the last uh, Zelda game before it, Skyward Sword, um, they really played in the same pool with Ganon being a big, a big disastrous event versus him being an individual person. So I could totally see that happening. Yeah, he's like a, a blight on the world kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the last thing I'll say before we move on is I specifically did not play any Zelda music on the remix radio because we've just gone through a month of it and you're like straight back in. Yeah. <laughs> Zelda kind of gets a pass, right? Yeah, it's yeah. True. it does, it does. But I, I, I was like really careful and Steph's like, you're not going to play any Zelda music right now. I was like, no, we just did a month. We, I'm sure we're, I'm sure we're good and we'll stray away from it next month and Aaron just jumps straight <laughs> and back in. I had in. five other picks, but no, I'm going All straight Zelda. to Zelda. No, no, oh, okay. they were, they were none, none others are Zelda, but I'm okay. like, no, no, I was, I'm excited about this now. So I want to talk about this now. Fair enough. All right. Fair enough. So, uh, Norm, it's time for the special guest pick. All right. Uh, so I have chosen uh, for my theme of evolution the Chocobo theme from Final Fantasy. Um, and those who don't know what the Chocobo is, it is a uh, it's a it's a flightless bird, <laughs> black, black, black Chocobo, notwithstanding that uh, is used as basically a mount by the various heroes so it, it's it's the horse of the final fantasy world i gotta stop you right there 
Is it Chocobo or Chocobo? Uh, I grew up saying Chocobo. Okay. A lot of people would say Chocobo. Okay. But I have a bit of trivia that kind of clears my name on that. Oh, very um, good. I, I didn't Ooh. win the the Mario versus Mario one, but <laughs> I might win which, this one. Which camp are you in for Mario versus Mario? I gotta know. I'm Mario now, but yeah. growing up it was Mario. Yeah, Mario, me too. Right? Why, why was it Mario when we were kids and now it's, it's where, Mario? It's where you're from. It's a really? regional thing. Yeah, it's a dialect. Well, it was all put to rest when it, Mario 64 came out and it's a me Mario. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. before Mario. that, before that, the, the uh, Super Mario, Super Mario, see, I just said Mario, Super <laughs> Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they say the Mario Brothers in that movie? And in Mario Paint, there is a sample that says they're like singing and it's like Mario Paint. Yes. <laughs> 1992. <laughs> now I want to do sit-ups <laughs> <laughs> oh do you remember <laughs> we're going on a tangent yeah uh, that i love that that chant where they're like oh kachaka oh kachaka yeah. and they're doing the the sit-ups and that, then <laughs> that's the one where yeah, they yeah. say it at the end it's like Ooh, mario oh, oh, yeah. paint <laughs> <laughs> so good uh, i just want you guys to sing the theme now so. <laughs> there you go <laughs> well yeah uh, <laughs> so no. back, back to the Chocobo. I'll say Chocobo just because it, it rolls off my tongue better. Fair um, enough. Okay, well, I might as well bring it up now. The name Chocobo apparently, according to my research, comes from um, a chocolate, malted malted chocolate ball candy by uh, Morinaga, who make Haichu, which a lot of people are familiar yeah, with. Yeah, Haichu. Um, so it, it's like <laughs> choc Chocobaru, choc chocolate ball. So Chocobo, I don't know. Okay, oh, yeah. okay, yeah. that makes that makes tons of sense. Yeah. So, can you say it again? Just the what the actual name is? Uh, I don't know what with the Japanese one. Yeah, Cho Chocoboru. Okay, <laughs> I think just because I just did. Yeah, so yeah, people yeah. can hear. It. Um. So yeah, it's a milk dud, essentially. Oh. Um. <laughs> there you go. The Japanese milk dud, <laughs> where yeah. the where the bird gets its name. <laughs> the flightless bird gets its name from a milk dud. It all makes perfect. Yeah, sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. In Japanese logic, hundred percent. So the Chocobo is kind of the ma one of the chief mascots of the Final Fantasy series. And um, it first emerged in Final Fantasy II for the NES, which, never, which didn't come out to North America for a long time. It's available now, but um, it, it was never ported. The NES version never came to North America. Anyway, uh, Nobuo Uematsu composed the original theme. Um, the very first iteration was only, it's kind of like two bar, six second loop, um, which was later expanded upon. Um, but anyway, first one is the NES Final Fantasy II Chocobo theme. So this is this like uh, like when you jump on Yoshi and Yoshi changes the music? Is this kind of the same idea the Chocobo it, theme plays when you're yeah, yeah sort of except because it's a JRPG. There's the overworld where you walk around and getting in your random battles. the The idea behind the the Chocobo is when you're riding it, you don't have to deal with enemy encounters. So it's kind of a yeah a free pass to the oh, next really? town or whatever. Okay, so yeah. it's like the like in Pokemon when you get the uh, the what is the it the bicycle? spray? No, no the it. spray in the in the tunnel. Oh. Or in the uh, like caves, sorry, yeah, yeah. I should say, yeah, you get like the pest repellent or like whatever. The repel. Anytime any game has like some sort of like, most RPGs have some sort of like repel like item that will prevent you from encountering the random battles. Yeah. Yeah. That's the idea behind the chocobo. Very cool. Okay. So, so yeah, uh, l like I said, in Final Fantasy 3 for the, uh, well, it was for the Famicom because it never came out for the NES. Um, 
they extended the theme uh, into its kind of full version, the catchy version that's been in my head for 15 years, uh, 20 years. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, uh, Final Fantasy V is the next version I picked uh, for the 16-bit systems. Uh, And this is probably my favorite version of the... um, the Super NES versions. Uh, This is called Go Go Boko. Boko is the main character in Final Fantasy V has his own chocobo and its name is Boko. And this is his theme. are sort of like funky upbeat like you're happy to be riding on it <laughs> well, it's, I, I don't know if you've seen what it looks like but it oh, looks yeah. like it would be a hoot to ride like <laughs> oh, yeah. it's like a giant kind of like a giant ostrich sort of yeah yeah, yeah. or a giant chicken maybe ostrich chicken sometimes they somewhere put in between on them yeah. yeah now unfortunately my original exposure to this song was because I didn't play like I played the original Final Fantasy on the NES back in the day which didn't have chocobos in it and I didn't actually play it until I didn't actually hear this theme until much later when I heard somebody doing a cover where they put lyrics to it. And that has ruined this theme for me <laughs> for until the end of my days. Yeah, that's hilarious. I think, I think even Square have put their own lyrics and multiple different versions of lyrics to the song. So That's crazy. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, so the, the kind of the trend that developed with this theme was that um, I think Nobuo Uematsu himself started it. Uh, where they just take different musical styles and put this match this theme to them. So there's like mambo de chocobo. It, the naming <laughs> scheme is is X, where X is the musical style de chocobo. <laughs> so there's like mambo de chocobo, techno de chocobo, waltz de chocobo, which is kind of odd. But it, it, there's there's just it really it opens it up for a lot for uh, you know remix fodder. And when I was in high school, I used to to make mod music on the computer, which is kind of sample-based, sequenced music. Um, and a friend and I would basically have Chocobo remix competitions between ourselves. <laughs> that was my next question was, because I know you're a remixer yourself, so have you done a Chocobo remix? Yeah, but my friend kind of won that with his this incredible uh, ordeal he called Chocoboholic Fiesta. So <laughs> it, it, it didn't follow the naming scheme, but it, it was good enough. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I wish I had a copy of it still, oh. but unfortunately, do you have, I don't. Do you have your copy? Uh, I, may, I might have a couple. I, oh, should, yeah. I should see if I can dig them up. <laughs> Is yeah. it in mod format? Like, do, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some will be in mod if if I can find. You them. should you should like contact your friend and be like, you must have this somewhere. I might I might show him this clip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll, I'll point him to the podcast. You should, totally should, yeah. So what's your uh, your last one? 
All right, my last one is from Final Fantasy XV, which is uh, the most modern version. And this is actually, prob- I haven't played XV myself, but I was okay looking up the theme because it's not going to spoil the music for me. I'm pretty familiar with it. Uh, it's probably my favorite rendition of the Chocobo theme to date. It's called Rodeo de Chocobo. Um, it's more of like a, I, I don't really get a rodeo vibe from it, but uh, it's really well done. And this one wasn't composed by Nobuo Uematsu, who did the original theme. This was by Yoko Shimamura. So he did, I think, all the music for Final Fantasy XV. Anyway, this is Rodeo de Chocobo. It's like Western de Chocobo. It's already got like a twangy guitar kind of thing going on. And even though I I own Final Fantasy XV, and uh, I haven't had... Oh, do you? I do. I do own it. I didn't know what you bought it. I bought it, and I started playing it, and then something else came Came out. out, Which was Zelda? I'm trying to remember what the game was that stopped me from playing it. It was probably Zelda. Or Horizon, maybe? Oh, no, that's right. You're totally right. Horizon Zero Dawn came out, and then I was trying to do a little bit of Horizon before Whoa. Zelda came out, and I didn't get very far into either. You were yeah. playing Tomb Raider also yes. at the time. <laughs> okay. So, too many it's things. Been a, it's been a big year. <laughs> yeah, too many things. And I eventually will go get back to Final Fantasy XV, but uh, this the Chocobo theme in this was actually spoiled a little bit for me, too. Not that, you know, spoilers in 
Final Fantasy aren't as big a deal for me, but uh, I watched the series on um, YouTube that Kotaku does called Highlight Reel, where they show, you know, a lot of clips of like cool moments, bugs in games, glitches, that kind of stuff. Funny and things, yeah. So yeah. when Final Fantasy XV came out and it had like a whole big round of cool glitches, so I, had, I saw actually them riding chocobos around a field and playing the theme, which is kind of weird because if, if you've seen the game, it's a little more modern. They drive around in a car, they stop at gas stations, all that kind of stuff. There's a sexy yet, mechanic. There's a sexy mechanic. <laughs> yet at some point, what, they, they ditch their car so they can travel cross-country on these <laughs> giant birds, which is just... Yeah, totally yeah. logical, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, we got this sweet... It was like, I know that uh, this is totally you know, tangent, but I know that like Audi did a special edition of the R8 for... Final Fantasy because I think the game the car in the game is supposed to be like designed a little bit around an Audi and so they had Audi make a real life R8 that was Final Fantasy themes and they only made one and I think they they like they sold it and it was like at some unbelievable price. So if Audi made the car then we need some like big uh, genetics company to make the Chocobo. Yes exactly. (laughs) Uh, Just thinking. Some mad scientist. (laughs) Yeah, we could do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just upsize a chicken. I saw Jurassic Park. Just thinking about... Actually, dinosaurs were kind of... They were birds, right? They were basically <laughs> giant chicken. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, just thinking about the remixes and, and my friend. I just remember uh, in Final Fantasy VI, it's Techno de Chocobo. And the very beginning of the song, before the music plays it, kind of this robotic voice just goes, Chocobo. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so, it it was kind of the first voice sample. I mean, I was a huge Final Fantasy nut back in those days. It was kind of the first time there was ever a voice in Final Fantasy. And I was so (laughs) overcome (laughs) with emotion that there was a voice. I haven't heard that version, but it sounds like it's going to be my favorite. (laughs) I, I just, yeah, like I... I don't know what. I didn't know what I was. I was like, I'm going to write to Square and congratulate them on using a voice in their game. And my, I said this to my friend who I was talking about, and he's like, just kind of like, I think he still makes fun of me for that to this day. Well, did you not ever play Blades of Steel? Yeah, but I wasn't a Blades of Steel fan. Well, I, not like Final Fantasy. Like, and it wasn't I a was techno a chocobo nut. voice. Yeah. <laughs> and now here's an idea for a future podcast is games that have like voice samples. Bad in voice it, samples. Early voice it. samples. Yeah, yeah, What's yeah. the first game that you remember that had voice samples? The first, game, the first game ever was a baseball game, wasn't it? I believe. Where they were saying like, strike. I don't know. I always thought it was like uh, Sinistar or something like that in the arcades. Oh, okay. Oh, I, uh, maybe, I, maybe I'm thinking home console and you're thinking yeah, like arcade. It, I mean, it, it spans a big range of weird things. So. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> that's for another future talk. How, Anything how, else for? How's the rest of the soundtrack? Because that was probably one of my favorite songs we listened to today. That was really good. 415, I, I haven't listened to anything else. I, I, actually, I was kind of trying to decide on the final evolution, and I, I listened to the most modern, and I was pretty, pretty impressed with it. So Cool. Yeah, I don't know what to expect with the other music, but uh, I've heard pretty it good. was good. I heard it reviewed well, and you've played it, so yeah. I have played it. I mean, I've forgotten most of everything, <laughs> and when I play it again, I'm going to have to start from the absolute beginning. I yeah. like, quit all my progress and all the stupid, like, random Coleman camping in the desert that I did, because <laughs> I don't know if people know, but, like, the sponsorship in that game, there's, like, sponsorship deals. <laughs> it's, and it's literally Coleman? It's literally Coleman. Oh, I thought you were just joking. <laughs> no, no, like, it's, it's, it's hilarious, because I think Cup Noodles is also a sponsor, oh, so you see bo- billboards for that, but they do a lot of camping. These these four guys, they drive around the countryside and they Gross. camp. 
these bros. The choker bros. But it's hilarious because when they camp, they like bust out their Coleman folding chairs, their Coleman tent, their Coleman lanterns, their Coleman cooler, and you see the logo on everything, and it's hilarious. It's like a Coke commercial where they're holding it label out all the time. It totally is, but it's just (laughs) hilarious because it looks like they raided the Coleman warehouse (laughs) to do their little camping trip. And it's funny because I guess, you know, Coleman is is a fairly big brand for that sort of stuff in Japan, so... Mm. Wow. Yeah, if it was that Coughlin stuff, then <laughs> that trip would have ended real quick. Yeah. Any uh, Anybody who's uh, an outdoorsman will recognize that Coughlin stuff, which, you know, we This is just of. like some off-brand it, terribleness? It's like always got the dark green and yellow package. It's like oh, green, oh, yeah, green yeah, package yeah, 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 with yeah, yeah. the yellow lettering. Uh, yeah. And most generic products you I can I wonder imagine. if that's a Canadian thing or maybe, or if it's all over the place. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah, it's like it's yeah. like the dollar store version of camping in Canada, <laughs> and it's everywhere. It's the sort of yeah. thing like you'll find it in like in, it literally in is big, in dollar yeah. stores. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. It's like you would go into the wilderness, or like any campground store would have it, like at an actual campground yeah. or gas stations in any campground country. Gas stations would sell it. So yeah, for sure. And I I'll, I always think of those the egg containers. They're like the yellow plastic, the plastic things yep. that can hold six eggs. And I don't know. Who the hell is bringing like four who, eggs out into the... Who buys <laughs> eggs and then throws away the carton and buys a plastic carton? <laughs> it's so weird. But anyway, that's a... Oh, that's that's as tangent as we've ever gone. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think that's it for for this, this uh, week's picks. Um, have any of us been playing anything other than Zelda? Nope. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm trying to think. I feel like I've played something else recently, but no, that's just my brain playing tricks on me. It's all Zelda. I did jump back into Overwatch. Now, yeah, I did now, briefly for the new then, but uh, for the new character. Count. But yeah, I had an Overwatch remix in the last one. That's as close as I got. Um, the one thing I we can talk about, uh, Aaron, remind me of the name, the geometry game. Where you, it's like just sixty oh, seconds. Super hexagon or Super Hexagon, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's I think that's the most recent thing because you played it. Did you play it? No, I couldn't get it to run. <laughs> oh really? Okay. Yeah, it's having, like the simplest game in the world. Yeah, yeah, reason, yeah if you could get it to run, we we I need to have a look at that computer. Can't install it properly, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Super Hexagon. That's what we'll talk about. Um and yeah, that that's one I can give away too, because it was in yeah, it was uh, I have a copy of it to give away. But um Super Hexagon is a well, it's kind Very, of a, like a, a super puzzle. simple puzzle game, yeah. I guess. It's kind of a puzzle game. It's kind of a music game, and it's yeah. It's it's an a- also kind of an action game. Basically, what happens is this sort of like hexagonal um, disc is sort of around you, and it's constantly like coming at you. It's like yeah, and there's always like and a you're gap. like this yeah, and you're this like little sort of pinpoint in like the center, and you kind of have to like rotate around this disc to. F- find your way almost through this like maze that's constantly closing in on you. That's a weird way to describe yeah, it. It reminds me of those uh, those puzzle maze games that you hold in your hand and you got to turn the device to get the ball to roll oh, in like the right labyrinth. direction. Yeah. It's kind of like that, like, like a labyrinth game. Kind yeah. of, yeah, except you move left and right. You don't actually rotate anything and then it slides back and forth and you're trying not to hit walls. Is that correct? You're kind, yeah, of, you're yeah. kind of rotating the entire screen around you. It's hard yes, to describe anyway. Is. But, but w- the object is basically like walls are coming at you and don't you have to hit. rotate to not get hit by the walls. Yeah. And and it's sort of defined by its I like... I think you're a triangle in the yeah. middle of it, and that's how you know. Yeah, and yeah. You, it's sort of defined by its very like simple, like just 
simple colors, like it's bright, bright colors and yeah. simple graphics and like pulsating music that just yeah. adds to the tension of it. And it's it's great. Like the music is actually part of the reason why you want to stick with it. It's yeah. The thing is like a game of this usually lasts about four seconds. Yep. That's how long a game of this is because you die so fast. It is crushingly difficult. Crushingly, crushingly what, difficult. What are the three? It's like hard, harder, and hardest or something I, I, like that? I think so. They're just hard, <laughs> harder, and hardest. So yeah. it starts on hard. Hard is the easiest setting. And hard is hard. Yes. I yeah, mean, I, like I said, the first time I played, it was like two seconds, you're dead. Yeah. Two seconds, you're dead. And I'm like, I can't imagine myself playing this at all. And I sat on the couch like all evening, well into the wee hours, trying to crush my way through and that. And what like, was your best time? You got like well, I think a whole level is 60 seconds. I assume a whole level. Level is 60 seconds. Okay. I'm, oh, you don't even know. I'm okay. pretty sure that once you've beat hit the 60 second mark, then you like you're done hard. Yeah. And then you know that's pretty much harder. it. And then you're on to harder. And I wanted to at least beat hard. And yeah. I worked at it and I worked at it. And I got to like 59.4 or something like that seconds when I when I actually died. Yeah. And I was I was so mad. I've actually not not gone back to the game since then. <laughs> but one thing I like about this game is that. Um, if you're playing it on Steam, as I am, and other people you know have it, it actually has like a little leaderboard for yeah, your friends. Yeah, you can see top scores. And you can see top scores for just people you know. So I yeah, which want, is always a great feature. Yeah, and I always I want I wanted everybody here to to get in on it just yeah. to see you know. Well, I jumped in just based on your on your recommendation basically, and I the best I think I did was like twenty. Somewhere in the twenties, I want I want to say I got to twenty nine, but it may not have even been that far. But it's yeah, it is, and it's just like it's one of those games you just instantly repeat. But you can't learn a pattern because it's random. There's it's not a pattern that you can learn and then just like perfectly do it because it yeah. changes it's all the not time. Muscle memory, you no, have to. You actually have to react in real time. There are like recurring patterns that you can recognize. Yes. So when you see like a certain form coming yeah, up, yeah, sometimes it's like, it'll I be like one this, side, other side. Yeah. It'll be like a three, three or four 180 degree moves, yeah. and then and then continues. But yeah, and it's all done to rhythm. And once you sort of yeah. learn the techniques, then you can kind of like it, get you anticipate something's coming, yeah. and then you can kind of work. I would way love to it. watch someone who's like super pro at this and can do it like blindfolded. I'm sure there's that guy that's a is out there. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's that kind of game which appeals to like the absolutely like technical to the minuscule micro. Yeah, like the game's done quick, yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But anyway, so yeah, that's what we'll throw in. We'll throw in Super Hexagon is uh, part of the giveaway for this month. So and to uh, to win that giveaway, any interaction on Twitter whatsoever, follow, like, share, retweet, whatever you want to do. Uh, it's all game for us. And for a bonus entry, leave the re- review on iTunes or the comment on SoundCloud. Um, Thanks again, Norm, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's always great. And I was saying to Norm before we started, he always brings that uh, JRPG perspective <laughs> that we're kind of missing in the podcast. So it's always great to have him because he always, he always <laughs> like no matter what, he manages to bring some JRPG in. So that's great. But uh, yeah, that's it for this month of uh, the evolution of songs. And we will catch you next week for another evolution.
Oh, this is good. All right. Alright, there's your uh, Easter egg for the Easter egg episode.